Welcome to the Clubhouse with Shane Bacon. I am your host, Shane Bacon. Uh, the three weeks of travel continue. We were in Columbus, Ohio this week for the U.S. Senior Open. It's going to be an exciting week. We get Jack's old stomping grounds in Scioto, so that's exciting. Got to see the plaque yesterday um, of where the GOAT hit his first golf shot, and I was all fired up about that. Posted that on social media, of course. Why wouldn't you? Got a chance to go out and play a few holes at Mirrorfield Village yesterday as well, and let me say, Jack, you did a good job. That's a pretty nice little place. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, you can follow me on Twitter at Shane Bacon. Follow the podcast at the Clubhouse Pod. You can use the hashtag ClubhouseSB. If you have a long email or comment or anything, you can send us an email. The Clubhouse with Shane Bacon at gmail.com. I know that's the link to email address. I apologize. But that was the only one they had left. We have David Fay on today, former executive director of the USGA, a man that was big time important when we talk about the Olympics in golf. A lot of uh, great points about how that became a, a, a thing, really, and how we presented it, and you know how we how we just basically pulled golf out of thin air and said, "Let's bring this back in the Olympics." And it was a uh, it was fun talking to him. He's one of the more interesting people that you'll ever meet in your entire life. I mean, the guy's got seven hundred and fifty thousand stories. Um, he's telling us a story about Wimbledon the other day that was amazing. He's got a ton of golf stories that he tells us. Uh, I asked him. Some some fun little one hitter questions towards the end, but we talked. You know, we talked about the Olympics. I, I never realized that '96 it nearly came about and was going to be played at Augusta National. So while we are traveling, I apologize if it's a little faint when we talk. Uh, these are some of the uh, the troubles you go through when traveling and doing a podcast. But uh, alas, that is what it is. So that's it. I mean, you know, we had a great weekend. Wesley Bryan wins. Uh, you know, Battlefield into the PGA Tour, which was exciting. He was our first guest on the podcast, so kind of. Cool to see that go full circle. Jim Furyk played a pretty decent round of golf. I hear uh, we were we were covering the, the junior amateur, and we had pretty much the whole broadcast team, producers, directors in the room. I had to hook up my laptop with the HDMI cord to a TV and uh, and pull up PGA Tour Live, and we were all watching and rooting Jim on a fellow Wildcat. So that was pretty exciting stuff. But uh, I wanted to get into this. I mean, the Olympics starts on Thursday. Ricky Fowler, Bubba, Matt Kuchar. Patrick Reed, I mean, we've gotten some great Americans in there. And, you know, the point to be made, and, and I made this as well with David when we talked, but, you know, the guys that didn't go have to be looking at what Ricky Fowler is posting on social media and saying, I would like to be there, because I sure would be. I mean, the stuff he's posting, the events he's going to, the people he's meeting, hanging out, eating lunch, watching Phelps, you know, make history again and again and again, as Phelps likes to do, you know, it has to be something that these people look at and say, that would be fun to be a part of. So I was a little out on the Olympics initially with golf. I was just not sure I was totally sold on it. And I'm a little bit back in. I think it could be a lot of fun. And I think simply just having them there as athletes representing the country is a big deal. But enough about me. Let's hear from David Fay. He is an amazing dude. He's got a billion stories, as I mentioned. And, uh, and you know, this is a guy that that really has, has taken a lot of what we love about golf and modernized it. And I think that's, uh, you know, one of the, the lasting legacies he'll have for, for decades and decades and decades upon decades. So here we go, David Fay. And I'm proud to welcome into the clubhouse a friend of mine, a man that's been synonymous with growing the game of golf for decades. David Fay, Mr. Fay, was the executive director of the USGA for 21 years. 21 years? 21, yeah. And an integral part in bringing the U.S. Open to public golf courses like Beth Page Black and Torrey Pines. And more topical for the conversation today, made a huge push to get golf back in the Olympics for the first time 
since 1904. We are coming to you from Scioto. How about that? A great golf course where we're going to have the Senior Open this uh, this week. Uh, uh, former site of a U.S. Open, uh, won by Bobby Jones, U.S. Amateurs, and of course it was the place that uh, that uh, the greatest player of all time, Jack Nicklaus, uh, learned the game through his fantastic uh, PGA professional, Jack Grout. You know, I, I looked at the plaque yesterday on the driving range. I posted a couple of pictures on social media of it, but it's hard to believe almost that you're sitting there where the guy that you consider the GOAT of all golf golfers ever literally hit his first golf shot. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and, and of course, he always points to Scioto, where, where you know, that's where he, you know, well, he's a Columbus guy, not just golfer. I mean, he was a, he was a high school athlete of some great renown, went to school right here in at the Ohio State University, uh, wife Barbara from, uh, from the Columbus area. And what does he do? You know, in his greatest uh, statement, he builds his, his course and his tournament, the Memorial, right here again, right outside of Columbus in Dublin. And a big congrats to you. Something special happened to you over the weekend. Hey, yeah. Um, well, we have two daughters, and uh, amazingly, they each delivered their third baby on the same day, uh, <laughs> 90 minutes apart, completely different, uh, one in New York City, one in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, and so we now have two new uh, grandsons, uh, Will uh, Urquhart and uh, Timothy Long. So that gives me, let's see, gives me a six-pack of grandchildren and uh, five of whom are, are boys, so I've got a starting five. And and we saw 58 this week by Jim Furyk. I would say that's got to be more rare almost, the double grandkids on the same day. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, uncharted territory. How about Jim, though? I mean, I guess you would never think that he would be the one to go that low. And uh, and he did it He did it in style. My view is that the, at some point, you know, these great players are going to get over that little bit of psychological barrier of how low can you go. A bit like, you know, when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile record. Well, um, you know, then, then, the, then the record started falling and falling. So I could see other 58s. I could see 57. It just confirms just how, how good these guys are. Yeah, and, and something else that's special and, and close to you and I mentioned to start is, you know, this is the week of the Olympics and golf unite again first time in 112 years and you were a big part of that you pushed it when you were at the usga you, you brought it about and i wanted to ask for somebody that, that can barely change a tire how do you get that going how do well, you start that conversation yeah i mean there's so many people but it really started with what was what then became the international golf federation uh, in 1990, at a meeting in New Zealand, deciding we need to uh, go to the IOC and become the recognized international federation for golf. You do need, you've got all these check marks you need to get the, on the Olympic program. So we started off, you know, we almost got it done in 1996 when the games were at Atlanta. Billy Payne uh, was the head of the Atlanta Organizing Committee, and he had a great relationship with Jack Stevens, the late uh, czar of Augusta National. Billy at that time, by the way, wasn't, wasn't a member of Augusta. He just wanted, he wanted to uh, get golf on the program. Jack Stevens, amazingly, he wanted to see golf on the program. He had this vision of a players from the Ivory Coast coming in, and uh, I mean, and it would be a big deal because, as you know, Augusta is closed in the summer. But uh, politics sort of seeped in, and it didn't happen. But um, I have to say that uh, it's, it's, it's great for golf. And people might say, some people might say, well, you know, why golf? 
I would say, Shane, well, why tennis? You know, once tennis got in, that sort of should be the model. And uh, let's face it, when tennis got on the program in 1988, um, countries are very concerned about about uh, investing in sports in which they can get Olympic medals. The former Soviet Union, once that uh, decision was made in 88, all of those former republics of the Soviet Union, they all invested in tennis, and we still see it now. Look at the number of great players from Eastern Europe and from, the, and from Russia. And uh, I don't know whether it's going to grow game dramatically in the United States. It probably isn't. But, you know, it will grow game globally, and, uh, and that's really what the goal was. And that was why this, the internet members, countries of the International Golf Federation said, we got to make an Olympic sport, because if we make an Olympic sport, we can get uh, money from our governments to uh, grow the game, we can build, build courses, we can get instructors, the whole, the whole nine yards. And, you know, you watch this week, I mean, the, the golf hasn't started yet, but you look at somebody, and, and frankly... I've said this a couple of times on, on social. I'm not sure that we could have a better ambassador for golf than Ricky Fowler, who uses all of these social outlets so well. But, you know, this is a guy that's going to gymnastics and he's going to swimming and he's giving Michael Phelps a fist bump. And I almost feel like some of the people that didn't embrace this initially, you know, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, these types of players have to be looking at that going, that does look pretty awesome. Well, I'm sure they're saying that. That looks pretty awesome. There, there are reasons for not going. They were varied and, uh, let's face it, legitimate in some respects. You know what? Going back to tennis, though, that first year, 88, I mean, almost all of the leading male players did not go to Korea. They didn't want to go to Korea because it was right after the U.S. opened it. And so, as a result, I, I, some fellow from uh, the Czech Republic, whose name escapes me, beat, beat Tim Mayotte for the gold. The women were right there. They were all there. And that's what you're seeing on the women's side here. They're all in. But uh, I, I, I agree with you. I think that guys like uh, Jordan and Dustin, you know, they're probably looking at it and saying, man, this is cool. Because they're, now they're no longer in a... Uh, Ricky and, uh, and Bubba and, and Matt and Patrick... They're seeing all these elite athletes. They're part of this deal, and uh, to, and they're doing it all the right way, going to all of these different venues. I sure hope they're going to beach volleyball, too. Is that <laughs> not a cool site? I went to a lot of Olympics, winter and summer, but uh, the, the the venue for uh, beach volleyball in uh, in Rio, it, it's right there with Bondi Beach at the, that, that we had in Sydney in 2000. And you you mentioned Augusta National. You mentioned 1996. You know, it, it brings back London thoughts in my head when, when they played tennis at Wimbledon and, and you see Andy Murray, you know, come out victorious. is a huge moment. Does, did, did, was Augusta planning on hosting the, the golf if they had it? it oh, it, that was the thing. It was, yeah. I, I, I hope I didn't, I guess I didn't click. That was going to be the site. And uh, then members of the Atlanta uh, um, community say, well, well, if you're going to have it, why not have it in Atlanta? And then there was an issue about, well, the, the membership makeup of Augusta National. I'm, I know Billy because Michael Banalek and I, who was then the secretary of the RNA, we had to go over with Billy and his group over to Lausanne, pitch before the program commission. We got all the I's and T's crossed, but um, uh, Atlanta didn't want it. And Billy, he had enough other issues, and he just couldn't spend too much time on this, so we had to take a pass. But, uh, I mean, I think things are working out beautifully in Rio. And uh, the golf course that Gil Hans has designed uh, looks superb on TV. And, 
Having a network 24-7 dedicated to the game of golf, Golf Channel, that is, I mean, it, when, when, it was at, when it was at it, they didn't know what was going to happen. So now you're having a sport that, okay, let's be candid. Golf is not going to ever uh, compete with swimming, track and field, you know, uh, gymnastics. It was, but now to have a network 24-7 that's, that's focused on golf, that's amazing. What a jump start. And, you know, a couple of things. I mean, people are saying, well, the format's sort of snoozy. One thing I'd like to say to the listeners is this. This was not a decision made by golf. I mean, the IOC was not exactly, a lot of IOC members, they didn't want to see golf on the program. They might have been representing other sports that also want to either get on the program or get back on the program, like baseball or, or wrestling. But the IOC said to the IGF, okay, here's the condition. Uh, we want you, this first time, to play the, the, the format, the, 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 the stroke play, because that's what we see is used at your most uh, prestigious events, the majors. That's what we want. That doesn't mean that going forward, you may see a number of different, uh, much, like, um, much like gymnastics. You may see other, uh, other disciplines, match play, um, uh, foursomes, alternate shot, um, mixed play. I mean, the, the sky's the limit. The only thing you have to worry about is you can't have too many athletes there. The IOC is very concerned about the total number of athletes. So that was a question I was going to ask, was was the initial format that you presented, and, and was stroke play the initial format that you presented to the IOC? Well, when we going all the way back to 96, yeah, I, that, that because, uh, because we were... Billy had gotten from the IOC the instructions even then. And the people now who have really moved the ball, I mean, for the person, I mean, from the United States who's been fabulous has been Ty Votaw. He has worked so hard. And Peter Dawson, the former secretary of the RNA. But you know what? Give a lot of credit to Tim Fincham because all of this, that just doesn't happen. It involved a lot of money, an initial investment. And let's face it, the PGA Tour was the is the big dog in terms of they provided the money they you know they they're very very helpful in this and you know Mike Wan obviously he's he's delighted because let's face it the women love Olympic golf because this is going to open up for them they're gonna they're gonna be seen by people who may not ordinarily watch LPGA golf so this is great and so moving forward because again I think that the format is something that that has really been deconstructed you know people have why stroke play why 72 holes why professionals play? right they're, they're yeah. still living in the avery brundridge uh, you know <laughs> amateur only i mean olympics are not about amateurism olympics now with the exception of maybe boxing and men's soccer um it's about getting the greatest athletes in the in their discipline coming here and performing yeah so so do you could you see Say this goes real well. Say there's a storyline that comes out of this. Somebody yep. from Brazil wins it. Mm-hmm. Somebody from Japan or China wins this. Yeah. Do, could you see a, a, another addition to it? Teams or mixed teams, something like that, adding in. You know, maybe maybe six, four years, eight years from now. I think so, uh, and I think it's not going to be an all or nothing. It's just an addition. And uh, of course, golf is is guaranteed to be on the program in 20. But next year is a very important year, and this is why it's so important that the inaugural in Rio goes off well, because next year the IOC determines the, uh, the, the 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 sports, the competitions for 2024. So it's so important that golf get 
gets off to a strong start to ensure that we are on the program in 2024. I have no doubts that we will be. We will be on the program. And yeah, uh, and the sky's the limit in terms of other types of formats. But think about this. If let's say for the sake of argument, um, the IRC had said, well, we want match play this first year. I don't know how many people would show up. I mean, you're not going to go down knowing that you're not getting a pro- getting a fee. Uh, you're not going to go down to Rio and run the risk, which oftentimes happens in match play, getting bumped out in the first round and then you're back home. And uh, uh, you, you, you see it in other other uh, competition. You see it in tennis. I mean, Venus is over her, over, but still, she got she got bounced in the first uh, in the first round. Other players have gotten bounced in the first round. So moving a little bit away from Olympics for a moment, your time at the USGA, I mean, you know, you you were there for decades, let's be honest. Yeah, since 1978. You were the the face of the USGA. That's scary. And you moved, and you you know, you moved the US Open, which is, you know, the the prize event for them, to public golf courses. You Mm -hmm. found Beth Page Black and Torrey Pines and, and, you know, even, I mean, even Chambers Bay and Aaron Hills. How hard was it to convince USGA members that, hey, let's go to some of these places that anybody can go play? I'll admit, initially it was difficult, but, you know, the fact is that the profile of American golf is most of it is played on public facilities, whether they be fee courses, municipal, you know, fee courses. And the idea, we, you know, we play the U.S. Open on the greatest courses in America. You can't find some sort of uh, rinky-dink course in play. But in Bethpage Black, I grew up in the New York area. I knew what it was, and it really was a. When we looked at it first, it it, it needed a lot of work. But eventually, we everyone bought into it on the committee. But the great thing is, it was like that uh, opening song from uh, a chorus line: "I can do that." Because once we announced Bethpage Black, even before we went there for the first time in two thousand two. Um, Torrey Pines, the city of San Diego said, well, maybe we can upgrade the Torrey Pines South. We can do that. Yeah, we'll do that. Maybe we can get a U. We didn't know we could even be considered for it. We always thought it would be the great private clubs. Then you had Pierce County up in Washington State. They said the same thing. They actually built a course from scratch, Chambers Bay, designed to be to host the U.S. Open. And then the last component was, uh, was Aaron Hills. It was uh, it was the brainchild of an individual, Bob Lang. He's, he's since sold it, but it's owned by an individual. It's a fee course. So if someone wants to play, the, the, the cave next year, you know, Aaron Hills. If you want to go up and play Aaron Hills, you can go up and play Aaron Hills. You can't just stroll on and play Shinnecock Hills or Wingfoot or Oakmont or Los Angeles Country Club. So I think that basically uh, the U.S. Open is in a good spot now because you're not turning your back on these great historic courses like Oakmont where you where so much history has been made and will continue to be made but you're introducing new courses pu- public courses along with some uh, resorts too Pebble Beach and obviously that's a mainstay in Pinehurst and I think it's a good blend for the national championship is there something your time with USGA is there something that you would look back on or you look back on and you consider the most proud moment of your tenure there I think that I think also it was it was a little bit uh, I wouldn't say worrisome, but uh, uh, even when we got the approval, it was almost like people were frowning and sort of okay, we'll do this, but let's see, because many people were saying this is going to be phase folly, and uh, if it had been a folly, uh, I would have been uh, booted out of there. You know, <laughs> I would have been eased down the road. <laughs> so, so going to the public courses is great. I mean, 
You, but you did, you did so much. I mean, your thought process behind it, and maybe a bit different than maybe the old school way of thinking with the USGA, was you were trying to bring new people into the game that would look at it and be excited about it and be accepting of the game. Because, and frankly, let's be honest, golf isn't always the most inclusive sport. Well, that's exactly right. And I think, we, I think the game has made uh, um, um, great strides in that. But we still have to do more, I think. You know, I mean, because it is a great sport. It's not for everyone. I'm never going to say golf is for. I live in New York City. It's not like you can go down the street and say, "Hey, let's play a little golf." I mean, like you can with basketball or tennis. But um, it, it's such a great sport, and uh, it, it it's it's one that the I don't know. It just captures you. It's it's uh, and uh, the fact of playing again, playing the open on someplace like Beth Page Black, we couldn't have scripted any better because the people who play Beth Page, not just the Black, but the other courses out there, they embrace this. It was referred to as the People's Open, and boy, it was. And so this is my hope for the Olympics. If the Olympic uh, inaugural can generate the enthusiasm and have their type of result that we had in 2002 at Beth Page Black for that first tr- open on a truly public course, that would be great. And uh, and one more thing about just the, the, the people's open. You know, when you go to places like Chambers Bay and it doesn't go off the way you wanted, you know, you mentioned Beth Page mm-hmm. Black, you know, people almost turn their back on the golf course and, I mean, do you see a U.S. Open returning to Chambers? I, I mean, certainly hope so. You know, first of all, Taking the Open out to the Pacific Northwest was always a goal. That was always a goal. And we looked at some places, but it just didn't work. The beauty of Chambers Bay was there's a gravel pit. You didn't have to worry about a bad winter or wet winter. You know, you take a look at Chambers Bay and what happened. Number one, you had arguably the best player last year win. You had arguably the second best or third best. The bright people were in the mix. The things that uh, that the people didn't like, you can fix that. I mean, you can you can sort of tweak the greens, whether it's even putting on different uh, grass on the putting surface. You can tweak the bunkers uh, if the, if you're if you're concerned about those what I call chameleon pebbles of sand embedding under the green, so the people didn't know that was one of the reasons you saw the bounciness. Not really a little bit about the po. And most importantly, though, I would say this. Uh, if you're going to run a, a, a competition open to the public where they're coming for, to view, you've got to improve the viewing uh, experience. And I know they can do that. So uh, I, my view was, and you know, I signed the contracts for the U.S. Open through 2019, but my view always was when you go to a new place, you're never looking at it as a one and done. If you're looking at it as a one and done, you shouldn't be okay. there anyway. Uh, so therefore, I would be disappointed if Chambers Bay doesn't host another U.S. Open because I think it deserves it, and the people of, uh, of the Pacific Northwest deserve it. And who knows? We might even be able to get that train service that was a, <laughs> that was planned that would drop you right there on the golf course. I, I thought it was uh, it, I thought it was a great week. Oh, I mean, I I agree with you, but you know, pe- people are critical, and, and and you said it. I mean, the the Chambers Bay has hosted a U.S. Amateur, which mm-hmm. had the best amateur in the world win. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's hosted U.S. Open, which had the best player in the world wins. So, I mean, so far it's two for two in the sense of champions that, that have come out of it. Uh, when you say you go to a venue and and, and check it out, when, when you were with the USGA and you go to Chambers Bay or Aaron Hills, what are you looking for? Well, I mean, first, the people at the USGA, the first person who gave us a clue that Chambers Bay was even on the radar was our regional man, Ron Reed, who was based out on the West Coast. 
And then he immediately contacted me and he contacted Mike Davis, who at that point was, uh, was, was overseeing rules and competitions department. Mike went out there and he just raved about it. So, I mean, that, that, that to me, when he came back raving about it, that sold me on it. But you got to look at it as a, as a, is it, is it a, is it a, a great test of golf? Could it be considered one of the fine golf courses on the planet? Can it, can it handle all of what I call the stuff? Because the U.S. Open has gotten so big. And it's not just what's inside the ropes. I mean, the inside the ropes, in some ways, is the easy part. It's handling all of the, the, the circus outside the ropes. You know, the tents, uh, the grandstands, the, the crowd, the vendors, the, television. The TV. That's TV. Just say our I mean, you know, all of it. I mean, you know, I mean, everything is so big. And it's, it's remarkable when you go back to a place, like even Oakmont, in uh, in 2016, so much bigger than it was in 2007, and you're gonna you see that time after time. You don't. I mean, next year at Aaron Hills, it will be a first, so you won't have anything to relate it to. But then you're going back in 2018 to Shinnecock Hills. That's gonna be different too. I mean, right now they're even talking about trying to shut down full time Tuckahoe Road. So the 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 open itself has gotten so much bigger. And uh, and you know, I was gonna say you. A lot of a lot of talk has been made, and, and this is something that with the grooves that, that went down with the USGA. But a lot of a lot of talk has been made. People bring us up all the time about the distance and far yeah. the, the guys hit the ball. Do, do you ever see a time where we actually do quote unquote roll back the ball? Well, um, boy, that was the that was the always the topic at the USGA and the RNA. My view is this: number one, I'm not very good. Don't take one <laughs> single inch off of the distance I hit. But um, there may come a time. I don't know whether we're there yet, but it'll it'll require. Um, well, let's put it this way: if if you were the czar and you were given Shane the responsibility to say, you know, it's, it's getting out of thought, control. Okay, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> and you, who knows? You may see you may see Augusta take the lead on it because Augusta they own everything there. But if you really wanted to, if you were con- really concerned about distance. You could do three things. You could uh, create a deader ball for elite competitions, not just professionals. Elite being any event that has the one ball rule in effect. And I won't get into that. Right. But I mean, I think your viewers probably. And then second, if you wanted to, you could shrink the driver size back to maybe 250 cc's. And thirdly, um, if you're still not happy with what with the length of the putter, you could do something like that. But but really, the ball and the driver that probably would do it. But you ask yourself if two, it's a double-edged sword. If 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 the elite competitions had these two special rules, I don't think any fans of watching golf on TV or going out to these, none of them would say, "Oh, I'm not going to watch that anymore because that's not my game," uh, because they know. What they're doing is not the same as what these professionals, men and women, are doing anyway. On the other hand, um, if you were to roll back the ball and roll back the driver size to reduce the drive, I don't think that you're going to have people say, oh, well, now I'm going to watch the game because it's more interesting. I beg to differ on that. I don't think that doing any of that is going to generate any new TV viewers uh, to the game of golf. So um, the reality is we know that we're, we're playing a different game. We're playing from different tees. We're being encouraged now properly to tee it forward. You know, we, we're, it's, it's, it's different. But there could come a time, I'll probably be dead by then, that somebody like, let's say, Augusta National, they run out of real estate. 
they're not moving to another golf course. Right. The U.S. Open can hop around. I mean, we see that. It's a movable feast. It's like a hundred and some odd years ago, the biggest, baddest cat in the alley was the Myopia Hunt Club up in <laughs> Hamilton, Massachusetts. It's still a superb golf course for everyday play. You couldn't hold the U.S. Open on, but the USGA was able to move on to newer and different courses. Yeah. And uh, I don't want to say everything has to be new. Look what happened at Marion or look what happened, look what will happen at Los Angeles or Wingfoot. But uh, uh it's, it's very simple for people to say, oh, they ought to roll back the ball. I mean, you hear even some players saying that, or they ought to do this. They're the ones who I think, you know, feel that it might be to their advantage to roll it back. But uh, um, it could happen, but I doubt that it's going to happen anytime soon. Because, let's face it, when you're dealing with equipment rules, if you take something out of play that's been approved... Uh, you're going to have to come up with some hard and fast justification data to say why this is a bad thing and we've got to roll it back because that's that's dealing with commerce now. And, and, and I, I would expect nothing less than an Ernest Hemingway uh, line from you during the podcast. <laughs> it's early in the morning, but I appreciate it. Um, and, and, you know, it, to your point, when I look back, and I wrote this, when I look back at 2016, I mean, the shot that will probably stick out in my mind is the Jason Day 2 iron from 254, the PGA. Yeah. I mean, that's the stuff we think about. You know, when Rory hits that three-wood at the Irish Open, you know, it, it's it's not just the golf shot, but it's the fact that he hits it that close from such a faraway distance. I agree with you. I, I, I understand that land would become an issue at some point. Like you said at Augusta National, I mean, they bought everything. They bought everything yeah. they can. Yeah. <laughs> they have, they, they're trying to own everything they can to make it as long as possible, but at some point, uh, they are going to run out. And I just, I fear for the... Historic golf courses, as you mentioned. I yeah, mean, the I, you know, in a way, hills. I don't fear for them only because I think that, they're, first of all, on a PJ Tour, with the exception of maybe one or two, they're going to newer courses. They're not playing the old classics. So the USGA can find the old classics and they can play it. Someday, I hope uh, the US Open is played at Chicago Golf Club. How about that? That would be great. But you can go to Shinnecock Hills, you can go to Wingfoot, you can go to Oakmont. It, it, it's still, they are still, t- and you can do it without making it a trick track. But you know, we were talking about the Olympics. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter what sport you're talking about, Shane. The greats always tend to feel that the sport was at its best. The halcyon days of the sport was when they was when they were at their best. So when Jack or some anyone or Tom Watson, I mean, I'm just pulling out two names, say, well, we ought to roll back the ball to X. They're thinking of the ball and the equipment when they were in their prime. They're not saying roll the ball back to Harry Varden's right. time. They're not saying Bob Jones' time. Stuff you know, it with it's always that. And then, and then even fans saying, well, you know, I'm viewing it, and I wish we could see again the curvature of the ball. Give me a break. Are you kidding? I mean, when you never saw that on TV. I mean, you haven't seen that on TV until you started introducing shot tracers. So, I mean, they're, 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 I don't know. In some ways, they're in love with an image time is bound to see through. I think that's George Strait. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of, this is one of my questions. In your farewell speech to the USGA, you quoted Seinfeld. And I have to say, that's got to be the first time that's ever been done. Well, probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're at Scioto this week. Um, just a, a couple of points, um, you know, with your time at Scioto, just about the golf course and what to expect when people tune into Foss and watch the U.S. Senior. Well, it's a great Donald Ross design. In fact, I think the the, the uh, I think Donald Ross, of course, he was the most prolific of architects. He had a, an ability to take a relatively small piece of land and condense it. As you see, you see the the way. I mean. 
one I like this week, you're going to see a lot of people on other holes going four because, I mean, it's, it's, it's very tight. But, you know, Ross is a... Visually, it looks great. This is maybe one of the more beautiful parkland courses I've seen. And uh, uh, I think that the greens are, are, are going to be challenging. The bunkers, I don't know how challenging they are, but boy, they look really good. And they're really going to come into good. play a They're going to come into play a lot. And uh, I think that um, that uh, you're going to, I think that the leading players on the on the Champions Tour are going to excel. I, I don't see this course as being one where you're going to have some unknown. Even when we played it in 1986, Dale Douglas was a was a highly regarded. He was he was he was a good player that uh, then. So uh, I think that uh, it's going to be uh, an exciting event. I hope and I trust that the uh, golf fans at the Greater Columbus area are going to come out. This is a great golf town. This is a great golf state. So I think they're going to support it. And uh, Scioto is. Uh, uh, they are so the members are so proud of their course and rightfully so. It, changes have been made over the last 10, 12 years. A lot of trees have been taken out. Uh, I think Jack did a little work on it too, but just a little work because yeah, I mean he see he 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 has to be he has to take pride. This is his course. All right, so some quick hitter questions, then I'll let you go. You ready for them? Okay. All right, a day at the ballpark or a day on the links? Uh, well. The day on the links. I mean, I I have to say, what are you giving me? Game seven of the World Series, oh, yeah. or uh, it's not a round at Augusta versus Game Seven. You just got to go, you know. Here, well, because because I probably want to go to Game Seven of the World Series. I say I can have them both because Game Seven of the World Series isn't going to be played during the day. <laughs> uh, you have one last round of golf to play. What course are you playing it on? Oh wow. Um, well, you never can have any course that you're personally affiliated, like your membership. Right. But having said all that, I guess I would say the old course. But in the United States, I would say, um, well, either my club, National uh, Newport, or National Golf Links. Of the top 100 golf courses on the planet, which one is still unchecked on your bucket list, Mr. Fay? And let me say, they're few and far between. Yeah. Um, the ones I haven't... It's been up to the courses in Michigan, up near Traverse City. I mean, I, I remember we had a senior amateur at uh, at Crystal Downs, but I've never played it, and I haven't played that Arcadia Bluffs. I think that's what it's called. And now you got the new Dope Course where they, you know, you have the flipping. Right. So that's the only area. And you're right. I think those are the only ones that I, I have, have yet to play. Uh, who's the best presidential golfer you've ever played with? Um. That's a good one. I I would say, because you could see the talent in him, George W. Bush. Because I played with him, uh, with Tim Fincham, uh, a few years ago. And I was impressed with his game. And you could tell that he had, uh, he had played a lot growing up. Uh, I remember, and uh, so, so I guess I'd say, but I've not, I have not played with, but I uh, wouldn't surprise me if once he gets out of office, if uh, President Obama becomes the best. I've seen his golf swing; it's not great. It isn't. It's uh, not that good. He's a lefty. He's a fellow lefty. Well, yeah, yeah. It's kind of. Yeah. I, I wrote a story back in my blogging days, a video of him swinging, and it was one of those that would just routinely be the most trafficked story we had on the yeah, website. Yeah. But uh, I also like about George. I mean, George, the Bush family plays quickly too. That gets a lot. That gets marks. Oh, in my, extra in my points book. for sure. Yeah. The, who's the best celebrity golfer you ever played with? Oh, let's see. Uh, 
I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to pause on that. Okay. I know one thing. I think that when you talk about celebrities, and of course, I'm now thinking about stage and screen right. more than anything else. A person who never seems to get any respect. I think that maybe the best celebrity golfer in his day, and as a youth, was John Voight. John Voight was the son of a uh, of a of a of um, of golf professional ahead at Sunningdale, and John Voight won uh, the Westchester Junior Amateur a few times. And by the way, that's not just some sort of rinky right. dink thing. That's a big deal. Um, when I ask you the best championship you were ever a part of, which one pops in your head the first? Um, maybe the early ones. Okay, I have to give you a couple. I mean, eighty Nicholas coming back, Jack is back at Baltus Roll because they were throwing the dirt on him in a way. Um, Tiger, Tiger at Pebble Beach. I think Tiger at Pebble Beach, and then Tiger at Beth Page, just because having Tiger win, having the greatest player in the game at that point winning at Beth Page validated the whole, you know, the whole experiment. But I'd say what he did <laughs> at Pebble Beach was extraordinary. Um, but uh, having said that, to me, the the, the greatest uh, final round that I've seen now. Was not what was one I saw on TV. The one at uh, at at, at Troon. I mean, that Stenson Mickelson thing was one for the ages. Uh, if you could change one rule in golf, what would it be? Oh God! Um, I always like I always like the, the, the yeah, big long breath. I, I, it's uh, I I think I'd, I'd like to see. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna answer that. <laughs> okay, that's fine. You you didn't answer best celebrity or rule yeah, you would change. Yeah, Maybe yeah. it would be to let more celebrities play. Who knows? Well, that's right. Well, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on. It was great talking to you. Same here, Shane. Well, that'll do it this week. Make sure you tune into Fox and FS1 for U.S. Senior Open coverage all weekend long. I'll be hosting a feature group coverage on USGA.org and on Fox Sports Go. Uh, we've got some great names. I get to follow John Daly for an entire day, which is exciting. But many thanks to David Fay and congrats to him again on the Grand Sons. And, uh, and a thanks to you guys for listening. If you love the podcast, subscribe, write a review, comment. It's up on SoundCloud now, and, uh, and that'll do it. We'll be back next week. I've got somebody pretty exciting for next week, somebody that uh, I think is a little bit more topical now after some of the news that broke last week, and that's all I'll give you now. But uh, let me just say, I'm not sure I've had many billionaires on the podcast. So that'll be next week. Have a good weekend, guys. 